1: Well, welcome everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, my next guest is Chuck Gallagher from Ethics Resource Group in Greenville, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, Chuck's uh, focused on helping businesses get back to ethics, understand the fact that every choice has a consequence. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us.
2: Bill, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
1: My pleasure, Chuck. They tell us a little bit about how you came to start the Ethics Resource Group and what it's all about. Um, well, Bill, years back,
2: uh, a long time ago, back in the 80s, I was a tax partner in a CPA firm, I testified before Congress, written articles in national tax magazines, taught genuine education courses, thought I had a great career. But you're the exit coach, and there's two ways to exit. There's an exit that's planned and thought about and that you help people accomplish, and there are exits that are unintended. Well, in my exuberance of the late 20s, my age at the time, um, I ended up having an unintended exit. I was – how do I put this? Overextended and underfunded, or maybe the best way to put it is I had too much debt. And instead of making the ethical choice – I made an unethical choice to help solve a, an immediate short term problem. I stole money from a client's trust. Now, not proud of it, but I found that it was easy. And the end result of that in creating a Ponzi scheme was it all collapsed, as did my career, with an unintended exit and the end result of it was in the mid 90s even after making restitution i was uh, admitted to the federal prison club became mm. an inmate 11642058 and found that in fact every choice has a
1: consequence mm. wow i'm i'm speechless and uh... Uh, I'm sure. You, I'm sure our listeners are wondering what's next. What you what you must have learned from that horrible lesson and the consequences of that. At the time you did it, were you you were just thinking that uh, this will get me out of a jam, and and uh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, actually, absolutely.
2: Um, in fact, not to be funny with this, but I today I'll, I'll go out and speak to groups all over the country. And uh, one of the questions, because people will fold their arms and say, well, you know, I would never do that. I would never do anything unethical because we all believe we're ethical until we're not. But I'll ask a group, how many of you would voluntarily make an unethical choice? Nobody raises their hand. How many of you believe breaking the law is unethical? Most everyone raises their hand. Then the next question, how many of you have driven on the interstate highways in the past two weeks And as the grins start to appear on their face, the last question is, and how many of you have exceeded the speed limit voluntarily by 5 to 10 miles per hour? And most everyone raises their hand. So through that simple example, you sit back and you start to look and you think, okay, wait a minute, as long as it seems socially acceptable or as long as it seems kind of okay, in, in other words, as long as we can in our minds rationalize that our behavior is is okay, in my case I'd pay it back uh, the age old story for anyone that does what I had done back in back in those yes, days yes. as long as you can put that in your head, you can rationalize unethical behavior and the outcome typically is an unplanned exit
1: okay I get you yeah, From, for, so for a lot of people that are thinking, you know, I, I would never do something that would be uh, unethical or against the law, uh, it it just really depends on where the, where they draw the bright line of, of where you've crossed it. And again, in most cases, situations like yours, you're justifying it by saying, I'll, I'll get it back before anybody even knows it's gone. Is that right? Absolutely. That's
2: absolutely correct. And Bill, when when I was... When I was there uh, incarcerated, the thing that, number one, the experience really sucked. It just was quite unpleasant. Um, You know, it's everything you see in TV minus a little of the sensationalism, but it's not a pleasant experience. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was able to connect the dots with... That simple phrase that you used at the beginning of the interview, that every choice has a consequence. Now, when I got out, of course, I was a convicted felon. No one wanted to hire me. Uh, So I had to think about how do you put life back together? Mm -hmm. And in my case, I started selling cemetery property door to door. Um, (laughs) Mom always said death and taxes, and I screwed up taxes quite effectively, so I thought, well, at least everybody breathing happens to be a potential prospect. And the more important part to that was nobody wanted to do it. So I made the choice to to enter that field. I decided I was going to be the top performer, Uh, and within six to eight months, I was the number one salesperson within this organization. They asked me at the time, could I teach other people? I thought, well, yeah, I probably can do that, so I did. And then they asked me if I could manage other locations. And eventually, fast forwarding, uh, in 2006, a decade following my release from federal prison, I was a senior vice president of sales and marketing in a publicly traded company. Wow. Then people started asking the question, how is that possible? And it occurred to me that... You know, with Sarbanes Oxley and WorldCom and Enron and all the famous disasters and 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 the tightening up of, uh, of of responsibility in the corporate environment, it was highly unusual to have a convicted felon in a C suite role. And that's when I began my career consulting and founded the Ethics Resource Group to yeah to help people. Uh, make sure that they're able to do the things that they need to do in a healthy ethical manner.
1: So, I, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, now you're now you're able to talk from the, the side of experience um and and really help people to uh understand about the consequences. How did your choices in life how did it change your life? I mean, I understand about reconstructing what were some of the other immediate changes that happened when you were found out well there were
2: several things bill that took place number one when the uh, ponzi scheme collapsed as they all will uh, of course the immediate outcome was involuntarily involuntary involuntary termination from my company uh, lost my license as a cpa lost uh, all physical possessions that had any value other than maybe clothes that could have gone to Goodwill. And it was a uh, a dramatic moment of going from, um, you know, fairly lofty upper middle class position to nothing. Uh, that was deserved. Prison was a different change that took place. Um, I think, however, following that, the thing that has been most significant has been um, – The ability to transparently take the information that I learned while in prison and the transformation that is taking place afterward and help people connect the dots between their own choices and the process that one goes through. There's actually a a clear process that takes place whenever you're moving from ethical to unethical so helping people understand that is uh, incredibly powerful
1: so in your when you consult and when you talk with people do you do you uh, obviously your story is very compelling but do you help people to uh, identify what some of those signposts are along the way and um I mean I could see like a kind of a scared straight type of a campaign right I mean <laughs> don't do it because it's it's horrible what happens is horrible but on the other side of it it's do do some do you hear from people that thank you for that because I it, it helped me realize that um uh I, I, you know I I don't want to go there but I I may be tempted and I know the consequences now so I won't
2: yeah, Bill, that happens, and that happens fairly frequently. I think probably today, scared straight is valuable. But you know, with due respect, if you're in a if you're in a meeting someplace and you see it and you're impacted by it and there's an emotional connection, it's like, wow, boy, I better not do this. And then when they walk away, the question is, what do you have to carry with you that will help you to remember? And for most of us, for any of us, frankly. There's three components we're going to go through to make a decision. I have to have a need. Okay, so let's just, I'm going to make it very simple for our conversation. I I need to eat lunch. Okay, I'm hungry, so I have a need. Second, the question is, and let's assume I'm on a diet. The second is, well, where is the opportunity presented to me to eat? Now, today I'm traveling from Long Island to Dallas. So in an airport, I'm probably not going to find the most nutritious, healthy food available. It's going to be pretty fast food. But I'm hungry, so I've got to find a place to eat. There's the opportunity, the rationalization. Do I stop someplace quickly, get a a Cinnabon? It smells so good, realizing that it completely destroys my diet. But, gosh, I'd really like one. And if I could rationalize in my head, well, you know, it's just a trip. It's just a quick trip, and it's one Cinnabon, and it's not going to hurt me. And you know what? Tomorrow I won't do that. I'll, I'll do some extra exercise. Well, as soon as I convince myself by rationalizing my behavior that I can break what it is that I should be doing, I'll probably make the choice. The same is true with money or the same is true with being uh, uh, monogamous to your spouse. As soon as you can rationalize that you can make a choice, and there's probably not going to really be any significant outcome, there is a greater chance you'll make that choice. And when you make it the first time, the odds are dramatically improved psychologically you'll make it again, and potentially again, and again, and it becomes a slippery slope into making choices that are not full and effective in our
1: lives. So you have, you have need opportunity in the rationalization, and when you compromise your, your uh, values or your guidelines for that to rationalize, you're on the slippery slope. That's correct. So then, and the challenge with that formula, then it does it, it start then it really starts with your disciplines and your values and your being very strong, strongly uh, uh, tied to those um, disciplines and values. Is that is that the opposite of that formula? Uh,
2: it, it, that's 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 important. Um, let me put it this way. When life is in balance, you know, if income is good, if uh, the marriage is fine, if the kids are doing well in school, life is in balance, it's very easy to stick to one's values, to, to live by them, to uh, stand up by them, to operate under them. When life gets out of balance, however, is when the real challenge takes place you know if 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 i'm sitting here and let's assume i'm married and, and, and my wife makes 100,000 a year and i make 100,000 a year and we're living a $200,000 a year lifestyle and everything is great and it's 2005, 6 going into 7 i mean it's just it couldn't be better house is going up in value man life is good And then all of a sudden 2008 hits and we roll into 2009 and she loses her job, but we're still living the $200,000 a year lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, Boy, I tell you what, our need just got really, really skewed. And when that takes place, then all of a sudden the objective, the, the psychological way that we operate as human beings is we want to get things back in balance. So, therefore, because the natural innate lizard brain drive is to get life back in balance, then the question is need just got increased dramatically. We begin to look for opportunity to solve the need. And even though the opportunity might fall outside of our value base, if we can rationalize it, we can
1: make the choice. Hmm. It makes a tremendous amount of sense um and I applaud your um your comeback um it, it must have been incredibly difficult to make those decisions when you're faced with the fact that nobody uh, nobody wants to hire you and now and coming from where you were coming from and to to have the discipline to start back on the path and um it's it's an incredible story it really is um have you do, do you see so you talk to groups all over uh, that will listen to you on this is that is that are you a speaker on a circuit now do you speak to, um, well, to I, other groups i I, I
2: do yes, I, I do speaking and consulting um with the ethics resource group i I will speak to corporations associations uh, business school university groups so a fair amount of time is spent speaking but the more significant and valuable time with organizations is helping them move past the concept of, uh, okay, ethics and compliance A is just boring, fundamentally. And so we have our ethics and compliance guidelines and everyone signs it. And for some reason, people and organizations feel like, okay, well, we've done what we're supposed to do. The question, that's the wrong thing to be thinking. I mean, it's great that they've signed it, but that's not the point. The point is So so they signed it. Well, heck, in the Bible, you got the Ten Commandments. We all know what we should be doing. That's not the problem. The problem is why do we do different, and how can we prevent it? So to be able to help an organization see the process of what goes on in their employees' minds that causes them to stray off the straight and narrow, so to speak, and to be able to help guide and put uh, systems in place to help keep them between the lines is incredibly valuable because when life gets out of balance, we can't control everything that happens in our employees' lives, but what we can do is great employee, employers is help recognize when that happens and then how we can coach them and guide them and mentor them through those challenges so that they stick with their values instead of straying
1: from their values. Very, very important, giving them – Giving them the uh, the thought, the system, the methodologies, to uh, to actually, uh, it's kind of beyond the signature, like you say on those ethics. Uh, I will do as as it says here on the forum, but why will I do it, and what will keep me from straying from that? Chuck, uh, very interesting, very uh, uh, a real roller coaster ride there. That interview you had me at the at the beginning, I was I was speechless, and I learned a lot. From you in just a very short period of time. How do our listeners get in touch with you best? The uh, easiest way to do that is to go
2: to chuckgallagher. dot com. Gallagher is G A L L
1: A G H E
2: R. And uh, there's a contact tab on Gallagher dot com. My phone number is there, along with my email address. Both of them are quite public, and I am certainly happy to talk with people uh, and and help them see um, the the possibilities of. Uh, trying to avoid, let's put it this way, avoid the choices that I made and the consequences that
1: followed. It certainly is fascinating, and its uh, I can tell it's your passion and your life's work now, and uh, I'm very happy our, crops, pa- our paths crossed. And I hope that someday uh, we can go deeper on this and talk again about some of these issues in more depth, Chuck. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been my honor. Thank you, Bill. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. So please stay with us.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Spike Reel for The Exit Coach. Business owners, can you name the eight key value drivers that you and your managers should be focusing on to increase the value of your business? Introducing the Sellability Score Index. Visit our website and answer 25 questions about your business, and you will instantly receive your Sellability Score, showing you how well you stack up in the eight value driver areas. It's a great management tool. It's absolutely free for our listeners. Just visit ExitCoachRadio.com and click Get My Sellability Score.
1: Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com.